Hello and welcome to episode 83 of the 905 for Podcasts. I'm Ronald Tanner. I am Joel McLeod. This week we're turning our attention to Mississauga and asking whether Canada's sixth largest city is maybe one of the most misunderstood and underestimated cities, not just in the 905, but across Canada. To discuss this with us, we invited on Jay Karner, the owner and editor-in-chief of ModernMississauga.com. Modern Mississauga explores Mississauga through the lens of the 21st century, covering culture, living, technology, arts, entertainment, community, history, and much more. As is so often the case, our conversation with Jay went in a whole bunch of directions we didn't expect, and the subjects that will certainly have relevance for the 905 region wherever you live. So uh, welcome, Jay Carter, to uh, the 905er podcast. Really pleased to have you on today. Um, Thank you. It's, a fu- it's fun to be here. That's always good to hear. <laughs> so we thought we'd just start off by just letting you kind of give, give, give your own introduction to extent to explain what Miss- modern Mississauga is and how it came into being and kind of what your experience has been with that over, well, since it was founded. Uh, okay, yes, we're going on uh, about six years, so I will try and be quick. Feel free to interrupt and stop me because sometimes I talk too fast and too much. That's what happens when you live by yourself with two cats. <laughs> So uh, the short version is Modern Mississauga was uh, thought of in the fall of 2015. Um, I had been with another Mississauga lifestyle magazine called Mississauga Life from 2010 until uh, the Easter weekend of 2015. Um, It just ran its course. uh, Great experience. I took the summer off because I was 37 at the time. And I didn't just want another job. I wanted to really kind of set some time aside and figure out, okay, what do I really want to do? And I had that, well, I think the kids call it FOMO, the whole fear of missing out. Right. right. Um, so I took the summer and I traveled a bit and then just took stock of my life where I was when I wanted. And I had the experience, I had the connections and I had the drive and Mississauga didn't have a lifestyle magazine, which was a little bizarre considering we're kind of the sixth biggest city. Yeah. So yeah, I, I just took a couple of weeks, put myself together did my research and digging and due diligence i'm like okay this is viable it's sustainable and it's expandable so uh, the official switch was flipped on december 1st 2015 and the website went up social media went up and i started as a print magazine first issue came out in the spring of 2016 and uh, we'll fast forward to the end of 2020 uh, sorry 2019 just before the pandemic um, i can uh, my candidate Post prices were going up, my printing costs were going up, my ink costs were going up. So everything was going up. And I'm like, well, you know, there's a reason there's not really a lot of print out there. Yes, there's a tiny market for it. And people that love print are very loyal to it. But I would rather go out on my terms than release a 100-page magazine, and maybe a 60-page magazine. And then by the end of it, I'm handing out an 8.5 by 11 folded in half, right? Like, it's, it's yeah, kind of telling. So... Yeah, so I'm with, you know, I had a good run. I'm going to convert to digital. I called all my clients, explained to them why I was doing it and what the benefits were of going to digital and specifically interactive digital. So with my digital magazine now, there's uh, videos that are embedded in there. You can click on the links to go to websites or special offers. And it's good for me. It's good for the readers. And more importantly, it's really good for the clients because they can track. And the number one goal of advertising is to find out how much you can get a return on for what you're investing. So I that is this. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Your story is, I find it very intriguing because mm. we're, you know, if you take a, if you look at kind of the global or not the global, the, the national picture of, of media in this country, there's talk of, you know, oh, 
we need to preserve newspapers and, and magazines and print and, and print and whatnot. And I'd argue the content we need to preserve, mm-hmm. but that format really is going the way of the dinosaur. Uh, you know, like I find, you know, there's more and more versatility to get the information and the story across when you do pursue like a, a digital platform. Oh, absolutely. And if we didn't innovate, we'd still be under the horse and buggy concept. We right. could still, we, we can go further in, in the end of June of, in 2021 that we could go a um, hundred years ago. So getting there is not the problem. Just the same way the information isn't the problem. It's how it's consumed. I'm a little embarrassed to admit it, but every Sunday morning when my iPhone dings, it says, Hey, Jay, this is how much time you spent on me for the past week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, you know, six, seven, eight hours a day. And a part of, part of it's work, part of it's just mindless scrolling, whatever it is. But access to information is what's really crucial. And more than that, it's having the ability to double, triple, and quadruple check what you're seeing, what you're reading, what you're consuming, what you're watching. Um, there's that old adage, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. And sometimes there's clickbait and sensationalized. I knew I was going to screw that up. Sensationalized headlines. <laughs> but, you know, between Snopes and, you know, reputable news organizations and experts, um, you should be able to verify something fairly quickly if it kind of sets up your spotty senses. Like, uh, you know, as an example, did Doug Ford really lose $4.4 billion? You know, is it $4.4 million? Was there a typo or whatever it is? But you're absolutely right. We need to preserve the information, not necessarily the medium. It's, and, and it's so important that we have, I mean, I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, like Mississauga, like you say, six bit biggest city in Canada. Mm-hmm. Not well served by in, until recently, at least, uh, and you're obviously guy. You, you're obviously evidence to the contrary. Not well served by media. Certainly, I think it has this, you know the regular kind of um, local. I don't know what it's called. I don't even know what it's called. But you know, we have the Burlington Post here in Burlington, and Mississauga. I'm guessing has the Mississauga Post owned by the Mississauga, same company. The Mississauga News, isn't it? Yeah, we've got the Mississauga News, which is run by uh, Metroland, which has all the used to have a lot of small papers in communities, but now they're kind of being. That's all- yeah, it's all owned by it's all owned by Tor, uh, Torstar. Yeah, Torstar. Yep. Right, right. And, and I don't want to sort of diss them too much, but it it, it is not they're not the most exciting uh, entities, and they're getting smaller and smaller and more and more infrequent. Because, right, and e- even if they were the most exciting of entities, which is you know good on them, they're what makes us a, a community. What what helps us thrive is getting different points of view. Imagine if we were a yeah. one-party Canada, a one one a party right. in the country, like if we were only Liberals or only NDP or whatever it was. Um, you know, having more voices, controversial, yeah, you'll have a bit of that, but just something as a conversation point, not necessarily an argument point. Um, to go back to what you said a few minutes ago, Mississauga's biggest—it's not even a flaw. Just I think Mississauga's biggest obstacle is where we're physically located. We're right beside mm-hmm. Toronto, um, yeah. and for the longest time, we were that. Oh yeah, I'm going to pass through Mississauga to get to Toronto for music, food, fashion, arts, culture, events. Um, we're slowly starting to car- carve our own identity out. But again, being next to the biggest city in the country doesn't do us as many favors as I think people may perceive it to. If you look at the coverage in the major, like the, uh, let's call it the mainstream media, so the Globe, Toronto Star, National Post, like Mississauga is looped into the Toronto beat. Mm-hmm. Like when you when you look in the front page, if you look for the uh, you know the news of the day, any news re- relating to you know I'm thinking like if Mayor Crombie makes an announcement or if there's news that's mm-hmm. centered in Mississauga, it's always in the Toronto section. 
which is a right. Di- hey, but it, you know, it's a disservice because I, I used to work in Mississauga for uh, a little while, and it's what strikes me unique about Mississauga is that it's actually a bunch of smaller communities lumped mm-hmm. together. Like, right. If you if you go into Mississauga and you talk to anyone who is from Mississauga, you say, "Where are you from?" They won't say Mississauga. They always mm-hmm. say, oh, "I'm from Streetsville." I'm from Port Credit. I'm from Clarkson, Aaron Mills, Lauren Park, Clarkson, Cooksville, yeah. Malton, whatever it is. Yeah, like that. They and you know, if you're outside of Mississauga, like where, where, where is that? Oh, I find Mississauga. But if you talk, like everybody's like, "No, I'm, I'm in. I got my my hood. My, my hood. My hood. Exactly." Yeah. <laughs> and you know that 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 kind of uniqueness that that's there. That you know the the mainstream media, like you can't you can't try to think of what the how to phrase it. Like you just you can't put that flavor in your words, right? You, you in your right. pieces. Um, and I'm just like, is that a challenge that you found in, in trying to cover the flavor of Mississauga? I, so I guess I'll put it as just that getting over that perception of Mississauga is just a bedroom community of Toronto. Absolutely. Now, the fortunate part was I was only serving Mississauga. So I didn't have to initially worry about the Toronto's, Brampton's, or Oakville's, you know, the three surrounding cities for us. So I'm like, okay, let's do a piece on the six cool things to do in summer. Or six, six cool things to do in Malton or in certain village here this summer, this fall. Um, or, you know, did you know that Cooksville has this hidden gem or whatever it is? Um, but the bigger and bigger that modern Mississauga became, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that thing in Toronto. And don't you guys have something like that in Mississauga? And, you know, whenever I'd say, yeah, in Streetsville, we have a, which is equivalent or better to than what Toronto may have. Like, uh, we don't know what a Streetsville is, but you mean, Mississauga, right? So trying to brand different communities in Mississauga to non-Mississauga residents is a very steep and slippery hill. And it's not that I've given up, uh, but I just try and, you know, very quietly put the extra word Streetsville in some articles just to remind people that we are not one massive landmass with zero other communities within it. Well, it happens in Toronto. In Toronto, you'll have you know, a taste of the Danforth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're outside of Toronto, you might not know what or where the Danforth is, but you know that the Danforth is part of Toronto, uh, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I like what you're the what you're doing because too often, I mean, Roland and I like to we like to bitch about politics. That's that's our <laughs> that's our bread and butter. Um, but part part of media coverage is like kind of that stuff that is on the outside of that. Uh, mm-hmm. Or just other than that, you know the the stuff the stuff that makes a community a, a city a city, right? Like you know exactly, you know the, where where to eat, what to do, you know mm-hmm. what 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 do we do? And we're not bitching about how the government's wasting our taxes. We're or, having lunch at a patio, bitching about what the government's <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that that's a story. Which which patio has the best acoustics <laughs> to bitch about? <laughs> day to day, the one right beside the mayor's house. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds good. I, I mean, this. Well, I mean, I guess a big part of what we're trying to do, because why we focused on the 905 is because this is a shared problem to an extent across the whole region. We're all in, well, we've traditionally been in Toronto's shadow. And in some cases, and I'm not necessarily talking about Mississauga here, perhaps deservedly so, you know, Burlington started out as kind of a dormitory town, mm-hmm. uh, very, very white, very middle class. You know, it's changing now and and the whole 905 is changing. It's becoming more diverse. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the cities are kind of, they're growing up. They're becoming real cities rather than, you know, a city that's kind of a suburb of Toronto, that sort of thing. Absolutely. So, I just, you know, part of my drive routes at night, I either go up north through Forks of the Credit and Caledon and Bell Fountain, um, or I run all the way down Lakeshore. And Oakville's 
revamped Lakeshore is just unreal. Like they've done so much. And it's for me as a driver um, and someone who specifically likes driving, um, like the traffic calming things by putting a small little portion of bricks on the road at some of the busier intersections, um, having their Christmas lights up until March to still entice people to come, redoing their main square, throwing up a Christmas tree in there all through a pandemic. Um, like if I had a hat, I would tip it to yeah. Oakville for doing something so beautiful. And even with Burlington, um, I don't remember the name of the pier that I think it's like maybe 10 years old now. Um, yeah, it's called sorry. the pier. Yeah. The pier. Okay. Good. So maybe I'm like, okay. So I can be an honorary Burlingtonian if that's even a word. <laughs> no, anyway, no one's going to know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Like you guys have your own built in attraction in right. Burlington and Mississauga's lakefront is under a massive redevelopment and it's going to take about 15, 20 years for it to be something we can show off. And Mississauga is getting the LRT, which I don't think we need anymore, but you can't undo a shovel from the ground, so to speak. Um, and even around the bend, you know, Niagara Falls, Vineland, St. Catharines, Niagara on the Lake, all of the smaller communities that are further away from Toronto are trying extremely hard, sorry about that, to really carve their own identity, like you said, because they don't want to be lumped into the not Toronto, but Toronto's neighbors uh, blanket but word. On, on that note, Jay, you know, you said that, you know, and I think it's a, you, you really got it, you, you hit the nail on the head a bit there. That all these communities in the 905, they're trying to find their own identity. They're trying to find mm -hmm. their own, what makes them unique. Uh, and I think that all that comes down into like the culture and the, the restaurants and the, those attractions like appear, the a nice downtown, mm -hmm. the nice, uh, the amenities of life that make it unique. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as somebody clearly who's, who's been around the, the 905 region, uh, during the pandemic, I'm curious, like, what, what do you, what do you see as what makes this region unique? And maybe where could we take it in the next, say, 10 years? Oh, wow. What a question. You guys said no hard questions. You lied. <laughs> <laughs> Can't back out now. We're recording. <laughs> um, I think having all these different little neighborhoods and different sources of, of pride, like, you know, poor credit is the, you know, we want to call ourselves the heartbeat of the city because we're by the lake. We get the most many tourists. Uh, Streetsville's, you know, over a hundred years old and the founder's name is Timothy Street and it's very quaint and it's got train tracks and a cool walkable uh, downtown. And Malton is also wonderful because it houses aviation and the Avril Air was built there and Canada's busiest airport is there and it's a great place to get all sorts of ethnic and diverse foods. So I think every part of Mississauga has its collective strength as being, having something unique to offer and you don't really get the same thing on any street, any neighborhood, um, any intersection. Mississauga is fairly diverse for a city with almost 800,000 people. Um, yeah, there's a lot of common fabric that holds us together, but we're it's still a very diverse community. When I ran, I ran for council, I tried to get through an episode without mentioning that. It's really not. <laughs> I lost. I really should stop mentioning it. However, one of the things I but heard- it's the experience. What is it? The journey is the destination? The journey was incredible, actually. Uh, I, I enjoyed the journey. The destination kind of sucked. <laughs> but actually, it was maybe the right destination it turned out. Um, the uh, But yeah, one of the things I heard, and this is going to be a tough thing to say to somebody. Yeah, just say it. Just say it. People would say, we don't want to be like, you know, we don't want Burlington turning into just a Mississauga. And, and, and just thinking what you're saying there was that what people meant, they didn't mean Mississauga. What they were actually saying was they knew nothing about Mississauga. 
A, because Mississauga has so many different communities, mm-hmm. and B, I suspect they were talking about the center, uh, you know, square one, and that the, they they view that through a particular um, lens that may be accurate or not. But is that something you, that you that you are kind of aware of with, with through the magazine that this this I guess we we already spoke about it to an extent, but this kind of perception of Mississauga that is actually very unfair. It is now. Is Burlington? Uh, I'm thinking I should be careful how I word this. I'm just going to go out and say it because I don't mean <laughs> just, any. Like, something really rude about Mississauga, so you can come right back. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I don't mean it to be like rude, and I just I don't want it to be perceived the wrong way. But <clears throat> there's a lot of development in the Square One area, mm-hmm. um, and I hate to sound like that old guy. So you know, when I moved to Mississauga in 1993, there was farmland, and there's clearly no farmland left. It's condos, 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 because that's how you get the most amount of people in a small space. You build up, um, and there's all sorts of cranes across the skyline. And I'm about five minutes north of Square One, and I'm in here, Ontario, in Eglinton, and specifically, there's a whole community being built. I think it's nine towers. Uh, almost 500 townhouses and the first tower just went up uh, I think a couple of weeks ago so is to kind of circle back to what you said about Burlington not wanting to be Toronto is that more of the we don't want to turn our beautiful downtown into just skyscrapers and not just have it filled with people making traffic difficult making it unappealing by having too many people there yeah I mean without getting into into ancient history mm. there's always fear of change let's put it that way that a, a lot of people yeah there there is there is always going to be a certain amount of resistance to any change and and mm-hmm. when you go from a low-rise situation to a mid-rise to high-rise that's a big change and mm-hmm. and there are so i'm not going to get into the arguments one way or the other but there certainly have been plenty of arguments let's put it that way mm-hmm. uh, and i yeah there's fear of a kind of faceless the same as everywhere else but but when you look at the reality, if you take someone like Mississauga as as a much bigger city that's kind of maybe ten years ahead of somewhere like Burlington in terms of the mm-hmm. amount of development that's gone on, then you're you know you're seeing a city that is becoming something distinct in mm-hmm. the 905 region rather than something to be feared. It's like no, this this is this is an amazing place with huge amounts of things going on. This is a far more interesting city than Mississauga was when there were no high rises. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm putting words in your mouth here, but um, I like you. <laughs> <laughs> I can sell anything you're, and give them you're, time. You're a great guest, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean that that seems to be kind of the kind of the lesson that that I mean, yeah. If you, you person A may not like the high rises, person B may be like, this is where I want to live because right in the center of city, I can maybe I don't need transits available. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm close to restaurants, and you know, there, there's the swings and roundabouts to everything. But um, well, and, and person C might be like, this is the only place I can afford to live because you know I don't have yeah. over a million dollars for a house on you know outside of the core. But you know I do have five hundred to seven hundred grand to pick up a two bedroom condo for myself for a couple of years. So um, I think you're absolutely right. It's not for everybody, and you'll always have you know three sides to every story. The fence sitter is the left side and the right side and i think that you can't hit the pause button for too long you know maybe if you're a tiny town and you want to preserve your charm or you have a great view of you know mountains or whatever you know yeah don't allow 50 or 60 story buildings to go up over the place um but there's a hotel just on uh, on on lakeshore and brant right that's kind of yep. fairly tall uh waterside uh, i think there's there's two well there'll be two there's uh, marriott uh, going in along Lakeshore, and then there's another one that's already been there. 
for some time now. Um, but I, I mean, going back to, to, to Mississauga, though, while the, you're right, the kind of downtown core down or where Square One is, where City Hall is, mm-hmm. it's being built up uh, with a lot. Like I'm thinking the like the Marilyn Monroe Towers, which is, it's kind of turned into a bit of a uh, an icon of the city, mm-hmm. uh, kind of a landmark. And then you have uh, going again, going back to Streetsville. Now that it's it's jar, it's almost jarring that you're in this kind of. It looks like this quaint small town Ontario mm-hmm. feel, you know, in exactly you know train tracks going through. You have these small you know, two story buildings, homes, mm-hmm. and it feels like a small town Ontario. Mm-hmm. And then you keep driving into Mississauga and you get into oh down by square one that's where all the the big high rises are and it's, it's an interesting experiment in terms of development to be able to, to preserve kind of this spot in time this you know small town ontario in time but then you still have nope we have the need for urban growth denser populations more amenities for life uh mm-hmm. in another part you know it's just it's an interesting I, I don't really have a question it's more of a statement just like it's an interesting experiment in terms of how do you build a modern uh city because the fact is, people are wanting to live in Mississauga. Clearly, like they're building these condos, mm-hmm. and somebody's buying them. Well, yeah, because you can't because you can't break ground. I think until it was at 70 percent sold. Right. So there's there's yeah. billions of dollars in the developer's pocket. Not to make a jerk about it, but like they have to have that to get everything in motion to get it. Um, and they're not going to go to the city council and go, "Hey, we think we want a permit because we could definitely maybe sell these things on every other Thursday." <laughs> right, like they must have lineups, whether it's um, at the showroom centers or online or whatever. However, people are getting a hold of them. You go to city or the city of Mississauga when you are like ninety nine percent up your way there. You're like, all right, here's what we have. Here's what we need. This is the plot of land, and, and on and on. Um, I will put it back to you guys. I'm not sure how well Roland knows Mississauga outside of me, um, but Joel, since you have work experience there, shoot, where would you live? If I could just pick you up and drop you in Mississauga for a five-year period, hmm, awkward silence. <laughs> Poor credit would be nice. Poor credit would be nice. There, there are there are a lot of nice. I, I I'll be honest. I wouldn't want to live down by Square One, down down by the city by City Hall. That's that's just my my take. But like Streetsville is a really is is a really nice place to go. Like down by Poor Credit. If I mm-hmm. could if I could have my pick of anywhere in Mississauga, Poor Credit would kind of I think be my my top pick. It's it's a it's it's a, just like a really nice, like it's, you get that, that amenities of city life. Like there's, you know, high end restaurants, there's high end cuisine. There, there's just, there's great retail. There's great retail. It's, it's like there's good places to just go and be like good mm. parklands. There, there's good, you know, you have down by poor credit. You have, you of course have the marina and the rowing club and, and whatnot. So I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, like that's, that's what I get is like, I, I find the, and it's not just Burlington, it's not in Mississauga. Now, I'm thinking also like in Hamilton, Oakville, the, the argument over development, right? It's like mm-hmm. we're, we're going to lose something. And I say, I don't know if we're necessarily going to lose anything. We might gain something, mm-hmm. but I don't think we necessarily have to lose feeling that we want, that, that you know, we want that kind of pocket of calm and serenity away from the, the hustle world. and bustle, right? Exactly, exactly. And, and I think, at least I think Mississauga has that still. So, I, I also wouldn't live in square one or in the square one downtown area. Right. Um, even as a single guy with no kids, um, you know, who likes to kind of get out there and be social and just have all the things close to me. You know, I've been in the same house for 10 years, knowing that it's a very short drive 
or a medium-sized walk away and that it's accessible to me means more than actually living and breathing it every day. And, you know, maybe it's being the oldest child and having some kind of control issues. But if I <laughs> want to be able to take myself in my backyard and stay there for the night, as opposed to going on a balcony in the square one area right. in the summer where everybody else is, um, I want to be able to choose to have that quiet. Other people may say, you know, I, I love it. I love hearing the sounds of the city. I like hearing lights. I like looking over Celebration Square and seeing concerts, events, people watching, um, food trucks, right. whatever it is. So I hate cliches and you're going to hear a bunch of them because I've said it out loud and I have my brain's going to make me say them. Um, <laughs> it's the different strokes for different folks kind of thing, right? Lake life is beautiful. Uh, quaint life in Streetsville is great. Um, having nearly every sort of food option in Malton, you know, if you're a foodie, that's the place to be. If you want something kind of in between, you end up around here in Toronto and Eglinton like I am. See, that that's what I think makes or breaks a city is your food options. Oh, for sure. I, I've, I am... This is why Britain is doomed. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, that's what I love, that, I, that's what I love about this country is honestly the food op. Like, if you think about it, you could walk, walk a block in some neighborhoods and you could have Indian, Greek, uh, Chinese, Chinese, Mediterranean, Shawarma, like, Afghanistan. Uh, like, <clears throat> you could you could eat you could literally eat the world in a couple city blocks in some in mm -hmm. some neighborhoods, and mm -hmm. I, I you can't necessarily do that in, in all places of the world. Right. And, and the thing is, like you know, you know, we, we, we the last couple of uh, weeks, you know, just talk about you know racism in Canada and and divisions in this country, and I always like and say it, it's really hard to hate somebody when you're eating their food. Like it's just it's it's really it's really hard to just be like, oh, you know, you people, but can I have, can I have some more? Can you pass? Can you, yeah, can you, pass me that fourth serving, please. Because I just can I have it. seconds? You know, it's just you know, it's like our guard is down, and it's just it's you know, there's something about breaking bread with a with a neighbor and a yeah. friend that and you know, and it's that the, those stories behind the different cuisines mm -hmm. um, that are out there, you know, especially uh, you know the the you know when the, it. You find that kind of that neat that that small hole in the wall place that nobody else knows about. It, but you know, it's that the the, the family run restaurant that they're just like, nope, we're doing it out of love, passion. Yep. You know, this is my my grandmother's recipe. It will you know, die with me. Exactly. Exactly. So you know, come come see my restaurant while you still can. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing. Like that. That's that's what I, I love. I think makes a city great. Um, and, I, and I think that you know it's kind of spreading out from from Mississauga. Like I remember here in Burlington. Uh. We, you know, the idea of ethnic was the Mandarin, and and and, and you're like, and now and nowadays, like we're like, hey, let's let's eat uh, let's eat Indian tonight, honey. Okay, where are we ordering from? You know, we have to have a, a list of food, and that that was a conversation that just did not happen in in this part of the world uh, for a long, long time. But now that it's here, it's a good thing, and oh, I'm getting yeah. fatter because of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're contributing to the economy because you're buying more clothes, I'm, I'm and doing, then you're going to contribute further by, you know, to the exercise world because you're not going to want to fit into those clothes all the time. You're going to want to slim that down, and then, like right. me, you'll just yo-yo back and forth for about twenty years and then give up. It's, it's for the economy. I'm, I'm, I'm helping the Canadian economy. I like your rationalization, Jay. That's, <laughs> you're doing your patriotic duty, Joe. That's right. <laughs> Pass the samosas. <laughs> <laughs> It's really, yeah. I mean, this is the ultimate lesson of of, of all this. So I think Mrs. Saga's story kind of typifies the story of the nine hundred five in so many. In that, 
we've it's a region that kind of was really boring maybe 40 years ago. Uh, Absolutely. It was, well, any, I think anywhere in the modern world with farmland balanced with condos has some big transition uh, issues yeah. to fill. And Mississauga was boring because we weren't known for anything 20, 30, 40 years ago. There were no uh, Marilyn Monroe Towers. There was no Square One. There were mills. There was, we were an airport. Even we were called the, the Greater Toronto Airport. Or it was called the GTA. You don't, we wouldn't say, I'm flying into Malton from Spain and oh my goodness, <laughs> look where I am. I'm flying to Toronto. Even with yeah. Billy Bishop down at Bathurst and Lakeshore, Pearson is still Toronto's airport, yeah. right? Yeah. The heart of the 401 runs through Mississauga and it's, yep, yeah, I'm just going to Toronto across the 401. So I'm happy that we're slowly putting ourselves on the map and I'm happy we're not doing it faster than we can handle it. Um, <clears throat> yes, it seems there's a new crane up in the air every day and it seems there's another dozen cars on my drive to my parents' house, which happens to be in Streetsville. But you can't just say, you know, we're, we're, we're done growing. We don't want any more people. We don't want any more cars because you don't, you don't grow that way. You don't get any more jobs that way. No more opportunities. You may find your next employer here, your next favorite restaurant, uh, park, whatever it is. Would I like to see it go a little faster? Absolutely. I'm a little impatient, but. I think our leadership team here in Mississauga is uh, not of the ready uh, fire aim mentality. I think they've taken their time with it, which is good. Um, I think the only thing that they should have said no to was the LRT. But on the flip side, who says no to 1.4, which is now $1.6 billion? Hamilton might, but anyway, that's another uh, story. Can we a separate episode about that? Like, that we, is we, just, have, we have many, many times before. Or, <laughs> yeah. Well, now, is there is there any way? Yeah. Let's put Jay Canna aside for a sec. Um, in under thirty seconds for each of you, will Hamilton will Hamilton get that LRT or is it too late? I think uh, they will. I, I think they will too. Just. But they will bitch and moan about it all the way to the finish line. They'll complain about that until like the last bolt of the track is in. Will people use it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think they will. I mean, just my experience of LRT in other parts of the world, which is not extensive. I think. I, I can't speak to Mississauga and the LRT there, but I think with Hamilton, with a city that is basically a Victorian city that needs serious renewal, I, I think it, it that's the kind of place that it that it absolutely does work, and it acts. At, you know, the, the big argument for it is yeah, it's more expensive, but it the council can't screw it up once it's there because, like you just said, it's there. Yeah. Uh, so so businesses can say, okay, we can rely on this thing. This is going to be a player in our city for decades and decades to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't need to worry that they're going to change the bus route, et cetera, et cetera. That's the argument. And I, I do I do find that uh, persuasive in Hamilton. And just, I always go back to, so I, I lived outside Edinburgh and Scotland for a decade or so. And the route that I used to get into the city, at that point was buses only. And I drove every single time. When I go back now, I use the LRT because the LRT is nice and it's as good as the car and you don't have to pay for parking. Uh, so it actually, somehow it's different to a bus. A bus was a pain in the neck. The LRT is you hop on, it's a pound or whatever, and you're done. Now with the but, pandemic and the proof of concept being we can all work from home and be just as productive, yeah. LRT was made to get more cars off the road, but the pandemic has done that for us. And yes, right. I realize it is incredibly challenging to retrofit a city um i don't know if mississauga will fully benefit from an lrt that'll be done in about 10 years from now there's a lot of questions from the pandemic that will remain to be unseen i 
I mean, we we as we were talking prior to recording, you know, you have, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of um up in Aaron Mills, you have all the headquarters for like Microsoft, Baxter, oh, look at all the Baxter, all, all the pharmaceuticals, all, all, all those all those headquarter Canadian headquarters up there. Mm-hmm. They're they're taking up massive real estate in those buildings. The question would be whether or not the government would come in and help those companies say, you know what, can you trim down your your footprint to kind of a, a bare minimum footprint instead of the entire building? Because that the thing is, you have the, those whole buildings and they're they're sitting there going, there it's wasted space if you, all of our people can work from home. Now, what do we do with a million square feet of office space? But that that's the that's that is literally the billion dollar question. And you and I were saying, like, if the government stepped in and said, "Okay, let's subsidize a trans, you know, help landlords end the leases and convert them into viable condos, rental units, whatever," I think that's the that would be an interesting project to experiment with, especially in Mississauga, because I think in Mississauga there is a ton of really great real estate that is currently being used as headquarters Mm -hmm. for major Canadian operations. Great for Mississauga, good business. I'll, I'll. good things but you know if you can encourage these companies to let their executives and let their their middle management staff stay at home and start freeing up the space for condo uh development i you know it'd be pretty revolutionary policy just to help Mm -hmm. bring down housing prices again especially in mississauga where it need you know we need to start seeing these housing prices i don't know about coming down but at least start plateauing a lot better than how they've been going for the last 20 years or so yeah, like it just and, seems like there's no end. Well, I, there isn't any end. It, it's just going to continue to go up, but we need to start finding a way to present more housing for <clears throat> uh, for families and for people to live in. Mm-hmm. The, I think the pandemic is – post-pandemic, there'll be an option there. Whether or not our provincial and federal government is going to step in to, to kind of step on the gas and, and get that, that process going remains to be seen. Well, I think they're going to leave a hell of a lot of money on the table. Like if Microsoft just, and just as an example, if they're like, yeah, you know what? Well, we don't really need, you know, this million square feet of office space at Aaron Mills and Dairy. We're out. Come sue us. Uh, we'll see in about 20 years if you win because nothing ever moves fast in the court system. So now you've got a million square feet doing nothing unusable and no one's making any money off of it. So I think right. it would be an absolutely great idea if, the feds and the municipal level and the province got together and found a way to retrofit it, to adjust it, to make it convertible into right. something. It doesn't have to be, you know, we don't need a, a 50 story tower, but maybe a couple of small rises, maybe a townhouse complex, yep. maybe anything. That there's just a little imagination is all, all, all I'm asking for. Exactly. And just to see what can happen. Cause I think when you, you take that small that small idea; it can have big implications. It can change, mm-hmm. you know, if you think about changing the way people live, especially in an urban setting like Mississauga, mm-hmm. it can have hu- huge repercussions down the road. That people start changing, you know, driving habits, mm-hmm. the demand for more park space, the the more smaller business, small boutiques and small restaurants opening up because mm-hmm. you know you sit there like I don't want to get on the go train. Into Toronto anymore. I, I'm I'm tired of I'm tired try I'm tired of that lifestyle. I want something mm-hmm. that literally I'd roll out of bed and go in my track pants and my Guns and Roses T-shirt, and I want the best damn burrito Mississauga has to offer, and I can it, get it. Yeah, yeah. I, I I I don't think there's anything wrong with people demanding that that's their lifestyle now. It says I want to work from home, and yeah, mm-hmm. I want to eat. You know, I want to find that burrito place that's in my neighborhood. I want to find that you know that place that serves the best pho. <laughs> In, in my neighborhood, and that's going to be my mm-hmm. go-to 
you know, that's going to be my go-to Tuesday lunch or, or whatever. Exactly. I, I don't, I, I really don't think there's anything wrong with people demanding. I want a better work-life balance. I don't want to spend two, three hours a day on the go train or standing on the tracks at union station because mm-hmm. I missed my train. I want to be home with my family. I want to be, yeah. It's, I, well, it's it's just, such a, a virtuous circle as well, because it's like, well, they're, you're reducing your emissions. You're having a better life because you're not, you know, your, your strongest relationship is not with the 401. It's with your wife, right? Like, oh my right, goodness, wife, or like your parents is. or somebody who's around you. And, and you've got more time to spend money at the restaurants and the local economy. And it's, it's like every way you look to benefit. And, you know, and just that, that, you know, if, the, if office space were to become, to be freed up, and what an opportunity to to to, to solve a, a whole housing crisis almost at a stroke, you know. I mean, it's and all, it, all it means is that the municipalities could be looking at this now because they will need right now. You're not allowed to live in an office block because that's zoned for commercial. commercial you know? mm-hmm. So they need to not take twenty years to think about. Hey, how could we change it? Yeah, can we just like highlight it, hit delete, and like retype in the right word? <laughs> well, if well, I, I look at like kind of coming back to your your question about LRT, I'm thinking like in Mississauga, it's the LRT is running up here, Ontario. Right? right, that's I got that right. Like here, Ontario is built for cars. Like it's that's just the way mm-hmm. it's designed. And I, if you think about the track, the track that we're on in this conversation. If can you imagine here Ontario being transformed into a more of a walking boulevard that you could take that LRT, hop on, go up and down the length of the road, mm-hmm. but you hop off because you want to go see, you know, go, go to a night, not necessarily a nightclub, uh, but you want to go see a, a pub, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody play at a pub and then afterwards walk through a nice park or walk up and down the, the, the boulevard. And I say that it's possible because in Paris, the, the Champs Elysees, they're the city of Paris is talking about converting it into a basically a walking boulevard. No longer these cars wow. going down it. I don't know if it'll succeed, but you know it's not that kind of ambition, ambitious thinking. That would not be cool if like the city of Masaga kind of took that as saying, what if we did that? What if we had like more communal spaces on these major roads like here Ontario because people are are driving on it. You know, it's just see that that would be. You know, for future Mississauga leaders, if you are listening right now, that would be this kind of stuff that I I like to think about. Not just like, oh, well, we always need to buy roads for cars. Like, what if we took the existing infrastructure and we said we don't need it? What if we try and make it so we don't need it? What could you do with it? There's I think so you could many- do nearly anything with it. Like, I think it was two to four years ago, maybe there were all sorts of proposals and ideas as to what to do with the gardener. Right? Do we yeah. bury it? Do we? They, and I saw one of them, it just was, it was all grass and it was just all park space and you just hang out, you walk your dog, go on, go for picnics, do whatever you want. And I, I was astounded that that hadn't been done or hadn't been thought of beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, and if a city like Toronto can handle that, in theory, um, on a smaller scale, Mississauga, Oakville, Burlington, Brampton, Niagara Falls, everything around the belt can absolutely do that too. Um, and just go back a, a couple minutes to your point. We could go for a drink in poor credit. We could catch a concert in Celebration Square, and our transit time might be ten minutes, maybe fifteen. Yeah. Where it would take fifteen minutes to unpark the car 
from square one. So I think uh, I'm going to wrap it up at that point because we know you, you have a, another call in, in just a few minutes. So we really appreciate you joining us today. It's a fascinating conversation. We fixed every problem in the 905 we in did. the last 45 minutes, which I think is... I hope you guys license going. this yeah. and make some money off this <laughs> for us solving all these problems in 45 minutes. Well, you know, you know like what? I'm just, gonna, I'm just going to take a day tomorrow <laughs> and I'm going to call it quits. So we're, we're good. All right, so Everybody, just call it in tomorrow. Done. Crack open the beers. We're done. Problem solved. Drinks by the lake. <laughs> Hello, Summer. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Jay. Uh, tell everybody to go check out Modern Mississauga Mississauga uh, at com, And all the best. And we're, we're so glad to to have a full episode dealing with Mississauga today because uh, it's been overdue. <laughs> That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.